And mandatory minicamp is underway. Earlier this morning, head coach Josh McDaniels spoke with us at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. The Raiders have had a couple hours of practice in the next couple days. All mandatory minicamp. Anyone who has a contract, who has signed that contract, is in attendance. Josh McDaniels let us know that earlier. They have a full house. The only one that's not there is the one guy that does not have a contract, and that is one running back Josh Jacobs as he's holding on to the franchise tag and has not signed it. So he cannot get fined. He is not supposed to be there, and he cannot be there until he gets that contract signed one way or the other, whatever they end up working out, if it's a long-term deal, if it's just the one-year franchise tag. At some point, something will give uh, one way or the other. It's either going to be the long-term deal or just the one-year deal. But uh, everyone else was in attendance at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center, and we may hear from a few players that will be speaking in a matter of minutes. Again, Josh McDaniel spoke to us around 9.30 this morning. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man, Jared Justice, another day in a row behind the wheels of steel, feeling good about himself. But I had to come into the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio today because there was a little tomfoolery that you had going on with some guys on the phone lines yesterday. So I want to make sure that we're all good, right? I, I want to make sure I don't get that call like, Q, Q, you got a Chiefs fan answering the phone and he's, he's hanging up on me. In, in my defense, I was trying to call other people when I hung up on him. <laughs> Okay, so you were doing some work. It was yeah. Just, okay, okay. I'm okay with that. I'm all right. But no, Jared, we definitely appreciate you holding it down. And as I said, we are here in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, and we'll be with you up until 3.30, about 3.25-ish. Then we'll make way for the Aces basketball as they'll be taking on the Connecticut Sun. They'll also be doing that on Thursday, so it'll be the same setup on Thursday, 12 to 3.30 for Unnecessary Roughness, leading into Aces basketball. They're undefeated on the season. The Golden Knights are, well, 2-0 and after the whooping that they put on Florida last night in the Stanley Cup Finals. And, man, oh, man, it's a good time to have a good time here in Las Vegas and a lot of anticipation what could happen over the next few days when it comes to the Stanley Cup Finals. We don't speak on it because we don't want to jinx it. But at the same time, I think everyone's pretty aware of what could be uh, going on in the city of Las Vegas, especially with the Golden Knights. And it's funny, Jared, good friend of the show, Jason Fitz from ESPN. He's on the morning tailgate. He's on the press box. And, of course, he's on uh, Harry and Fitz, or Fitz and Harry is the name of the new show. I always, get the, I always mess up the names, get them backwards. But Fitz and Harry, uh, you can hear that on our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. I was driving in after listening to Coach McDaniels this morning. I was driving into the radio station, and – he started at the top of the hour just singing praises to Las Vegas and talking about how he's ready to, to find a way to get into the parade. And, I mean, everything that we don't talk about right now, he's talking about right now. He was so amped up and fired up. And, of course, he's a Las Vegas native, so he's fired up about his home city. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's, – it's, it's like I said, it's a really good time. There's a really good vibe and a nice energy around the city. Yeah, no, this is, this is definitely – this is – what I'm talking about whenever I'm talking about the Las Vegas community. This is the one thing that you can have different political, socioeconomic, like all sorts of differences. But if you just go, Marchy! <laughs> everyone and everyone will go, yeah. Right. No, it's 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 fun, man. And the whooping that they put on Florida last night, seven to two. Talk about a team that's disciplined and a team that's not disciplined, right? And really, we could relate that to the NFL. We could relate that to the Raiders as well. It's funny. I was just sitting in a meeting with Natalie, our big boss here, and we were talking about the Golden Knights and what they do so well. And you know, she pointed it out. They're just disciplined, right? Yeah. The least penalized team in the league all season long, and well, Florida's not. Florida is a team that tries to be the bullies. They try to be the intimidators, and you see where they're at right now. They're down 2-0, and, I mean, it, it, at one point last night, Jared, it, I mean, it got so ugly, I was thinking, 
oh man, you better get your big dogs out because now they're they're just gonna they're just trying to hurt you at yeah. this point, right? They're trying to intimidate you and hurt you, and it, at at some point it's gonna get ugly. Down to the last seven seconds, I think they had to break up a fight with like seven seconds left in the game. I was like, what, what are, are you what are doing? We, what are we doing here? It's seven to two. What are we doing here? Like it's it. To bring it to football, it genuinely reminds me of that, like, oh, it's third and one. Oh, right. they got it. Oh, no, I guess holding. Okay. Oh, okay. And uh, unnecessary roughness. Okay. Right. All right. Somehow it's a fourth and 26. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's, it's one of those things, and it goes to any sport, right? If you're disciplined, you're going to play better. And the Golden Knights are very disciplined, least penalized team in the league. Can you imagine if we were talking about the Raiders as the least penalized team? Like, we could talk about all the talent they have. We could talk about all the close scores. We could talk about this, that, and the other when it comes to the silver and black, who the quarterback is, who's on defense. If they just eliminated that, and we had this texter yesterday on the don'tbebroke.com text line, if they just eliminated their own mistakes, and we talked about it in such great length last season, or last training camp. I remember it was brought up, and I can't remember who said something to me, but I mentioned it to Coach McDaniels, and he thought I was trying to trip him up on a question. He's like, wait, hold on. Well, what do you mean by that? Right? And I was talking about don't beat yourself. Right? You have yeah. to learn how to uh, you know, not lose before you can learn how to win. And he, he, tried to, he tried to make sure I knew what I was talking about. And then when he realized that, okay, this dude does know what he's saying, then all of a sudden it became a conversation. So that was actually a theme that we had just about all training camp last year, that the Raiders are going to be disciplined. The number one thing that Coach McDaniels is going to do this year and his staff are going to make sure that they're disciplined. And throughout the preseason, guess what? They were disciplined. Very few penalties, no turnovers, no losses. Then they got to the regular season. It was like, the hell with that. Let's get yeah. back to, you know. It's like all that was out the door. You know, and, it, it, and it's funny because Natalie was just mentioning, well, Florida in game three, they're going to try to be more disciplined. And I said, yeah, they're going to try to be more disciplined. But when the lights are on and everything is going, you just revert back to who you are. Right? So yeah. the Raiders, the guys that participated in preseason in, in, in last season, obviously weren't all the starters. Most of the star, most of the guys weren't the starters. I mean, Jarrett Stidham was the quarterback all, all preseason long. So the guys that were out there, they were disciplined. They weren't turning the ball over. But then when you got all the starters out there, then all of a sudden the game changed. And it went back to just who you are. And they beat themselves more than other teams beat them, in my opinion. It's almost like the guys who were playing in the preseason were like, oh, okay, you want me to be disciplined? All right, I'm trying to get a job. Where right. the guys who the starters are like, yeah, I don't need to do that. I'm I gonna, got a uh, job. Yeah, I'm going to start week one. Right. No, that's a great point. So that's you know one of those themes, and it goes right back to it. It's not even that difficult just to play within yourself and play error-free ball. And, and, and I mean, look, mistakes are going to happen. A tip ball is going to happen. Someone's going to pick it off. Someone's going to drop a ball. That happens. But when it's those infuriating penalties, the dumb stuff, like, come on. The ones where you're sitting on your couch and you see a big play that all of a sudden you start to see guys hanging their head or walking backwards, you're like, damn, it's a holding penalty or this or that. Or when you see a big play, and I think Raider fans are accustomed to this. I know this is what I do. When I see a big play by the Raiders, I immediately scan the field. Is there any yellow on the field? And a lot of times there is, right? And and then there's times when the other team will make a play and then you look for the flag and it's not there. And you're like, damn, sure wish that there was a flag on that play, yeah. right? Wish that one was coming back. So, again, it goes back to, to discipline, playing discipline ball. And, well, they've got mandatory minicamp going on. This is really how it all begins. This is how it really all starts. They have another OTA sessions that they'll have uh, coming up another three days, I believe June 12th through the 15th. And then they'll have a lull. 
and then training camp will start, and then that's when the heavy lifting is getting done. But first and foremost, as we'll talk about many different subjects on the show today, they have got to find a way to eliminate those dumb penalties. I mean, there's going to be penalties called that everyone's going to disagree with. You know, there'll be a pass interference here, pass interference there. That's fine. Those are going to happen. Those are judgment calls. But when they're blatant and obvious holds that are unnecessary, you know, Josh Jacobs is five yards up the field and then there's a hold that, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. What are you holding? What are you doing? Right? It's just got to be more disciplined. So first and foremost, the Raiders got to be disciplined in 2023. And again, we talk about it just about each and every year. They cannot lead the league or even be close to the lead leaguers, uh, league leaders in, uh, in penalties like they are just about each and every year. So one of the subjects that we'll get to on today's show, we do have a lot to get to, uh, plenty of guests to get. Uh, Marcus Mosher, RaidersWire.com. He'll join the show about 1.30, uh, talk all things silver and black, what he's seeing from the team from a distance, what he wants to see from the team, You know, kind of go over some you know, veterans that he may be looking at that have to have a big preseason or maybe have to have a big uh, training camp to make sure that they ensure their spot, what kind of rookies he'll be looking out for. Just Stuff like that. Marcus does a really good job of, you know, being able to kind of identify some players that, you know, we should be on the lookout for. So we'll talk to Marcus coming up at 1.30. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN, who's at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center right now. He'll join us at 2 to talk about what he saw from practice. I obviously wasn't able to be there at practice. I was only there for Coach McDaniels, and that was at 9.30 this morning. As soon as he was done, I packed up and made a beeline to the radio station so we could be here with you uh, on, on, on time, right? <laughs> Had a couple things to take care of, but uh, he'll tell us everything that he saw from day one of mandatory minicamp, what it looks like different from last year. And that's, that's my biggest key, and that was something that I asked Coach McDaniels about earlier today was just about the, you know, like the pace, you know, what does the pace look like and, you know, how much better can it be in year two? And I think that that's important, Jared. I think with guys coming in and I talked to Max Crosby about it yesterday and we had him on the round table, you know, how is it now in year two, as opposed to year one, how much faster can you guys play or even practice? And he's like, man, last year I had no idea what we were even doing. I was just, I was just there trying to figure it out. This year, I know exactly what we're doing. I'm going. I'm flying to station to station. I'm able to lead the charge. And so I think that makes a big difference. So that's one of the things that I'm going to be paying attention to when I'm out there. I'll be out there tomorrow. I won't be out there Thursday, but I will be out there there tomorrow. I want to see how they look like with the guys that are returning and obviously the coaches that are coming back, how much better they look as far as understanding at least what they're doing. That's important. Yeah, it's the it's the premise of why you take algebra before you take trigonometry. Like you literally have to understand the basics in order to build on them and it's it's absolutely like oh wait, I you've been having me do this drill. I now understand why I've been doing this right. drill. Before I was just doing it cuz you told it. me right. to. Yep. But yep. now I understand, oh okay, this is for that package whenever mm-hmm. I have to do a twist. That's what it is. Well, you know, it's funny. We heard from him yesterday on the show, Marcus Epps. He said about film study. You know, he said when he was first studying film, he had no idea what he was even looking at. I mean, he told Eric Allen straight up, I had no idea what I was even looking at. I just, I know film was on, but it took me until, you know, a couple years ago to actually realize what I was looking at. So you could be sitting in film study and you could be watching and, and listening to what they're saying, but you might not even be able to break down what's really going on. So you have to have an understanding of that. So I, I had no problem with Marcus Epps admitting that. And that just shows the maturity and how he's growing that, okay, now I'm starting to see what they're talking about on film. Real quick, got a text from uh, the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We always appreciate your feedback. KQ, if you're going to mention the need for discipline on this team, please also mention the complete bias against the Raiders by the refs. Thank you. And I'll say this. I get it, right? There's always been a long history of the refs throwing all the flags on the Raiders. I get it. I totally get it. Why have they done that? 
Why, why, why have they done that? Why are they so used to and accustomed to pulling out a flag and throwing it? Lack of discipline? I'm just saying. I mean, I agree that there's penalties that you look at and you're like, really? That was not a penalty. But they've also established a, 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 a reputation. Some, some things are reputation fouls, not even with this team, right? Not even yeah. with this team or last year's team or the year before that, but just the reputation has carried over. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not. But there's certain things. There's certain guys. If you hear that a certain guy has gotten into something, what do you say? Or what do I say? Shocking. Yeah, exactly. Right? I say it all the time. Right? I say it all the time because that's how we are programmed as humans. We all are. We're all guilty of it. Yeah. Right? I mean, my, my, my older son used to pop off all the time. Right? He used to talk all kind of trash. And anytime it's like, oh, Kimani got in trouble at school for popping off, I'm like, shocking. That's what he does. Right? <laughs> he runs my younger his son, My younger son is quiet. So if – they said, hey, he got in trouble for, for talking in class or he was loud in class. I'd be like, really? What happened? <laughs> yeah, what's, what's really going on? Like, what's the – I'm going to need the... details. Right, exactly. I mean, so – and again, that's, that's totally different than what you're talking about. But it's not anything that's surprising. And if we sit there and if we're going to – we can't act like the Raiders don't have some dumb penalties at times, right? I mean, let's, let's go back to the Jerry Tillery play. I heard the morning tailgate talking about that in great length this morning. The Jerry Tillery play against the Rams on that Thursday night game when he knocks the ball out of uh, out of the or out of the Baker Mayfield's hands when the referee is trying to get it. It's a 15 yard penalty that extends the, the drive. That had nothing to do with the Raider bias. That had to do with a dumb play. Yep. That, I mean, and again, I'm not saying that there's he's wrong. Whoever texted, I'm not saying that they're wrong because I could look at plenty of plays and we all have done it and said that's not a penalty. That's a dumb. That's a Raider penalty. And and all Raider players will tell you that too. Hey, you know. Uh, it, it's it's you got to play extra clean when you're a Raider. But you know what? Sometimes you have to play extra clean. That's what you have to do. Establish who you are, and so and until you do that, you're not gonna you're not gonna change anything. And that's unfortunate because again, there are plenty of times when I could look and say, yeah, that was a that was a Raider penalty. It's and I mean, it's some sometimes it even goes the opposite where, and I Max Crosby has admitted this. He basically gets held every play, every play, every single play. And Khalil Mack and, used to get held every single play. And they but and they, nobody ever called it. Right. Right. And even in that Rams game that I'm talking about, he was being held in the end zone. Should be a safety. No call. I mean, it was a, a chokehold around his neck. Right? I mean, it was as obvious as, as it gets. But a lot of times the officials, and this is on them too, will look the other way because it's the Raiders. Right? And they're just trained to do that because they're so used to the Raiders being undisciplined. That's – I can't do anything about that. We can't do anything about that talking about it. What they have to do is train them to realize that we ain't, we ain't that team, right? You need to make sure you're calling this right. Instead, they're used to throwing the flags. They're just used to knowing that, okay, this guy's, you know, he's going to do something wrong. And, and, and I used to say this about Max, especially when he first came into the league, and I think he's really worked really hard on cleaning up his game. I used to always say he's going to get a 15-yard penalty because he plays so hard that when he tackles a quarterback or he hits somebody, it's going to look – it looks so violent that they automatically say, oh, 15-yard penalty. But Max has done a hell of a job working yeah. his tail off to try to clean that up where he doesn't get hit with those. Every once in a while he'll still get one, but it's not because he's reckless or undisciplined. It's just because he's playing hard, right? And, and I think it's one of the hardest things is tackling a quarterback and not getting a penalty. But Max tries really hard not to get that undisciplined penalty or that, that out of – that 15-yard personal foul penalty, he tries so hard not to do that. I think he's really done a good job improving on that. If I recall correctly, there was a play I remember last year where he the the quarterback got the ball out 
right as he was about to hit him, and he full on pulled it like he yeah. pulled up yeah. and avoided like ru- running over the guy. And I'm like, I don't have that much body control. He thinks about it. He consciously thinks about it because he doesn't want to get that penalty. But the bottom line, when we're talking about what, and this is what we could do in life as well, when we're talking about what we need to do better. The first thing we should say is what we need to do better, not what the other person needs to do better for us, right? Right. That's, that's, that's how I look at things. If I need to improve myself, I'm not going to say, yeah, well, Jared, you have to stop doing this to me. No, I got to stop doing this to me first, and then I want you to come along for the ride, right? right. I, I, I can't – I'm not going to point the finger and be like, well, it's all the referee's fault. Well, you know, you could say that. We could always say that. Officiating in every sport is terrible right now. Awful. Yeah. Basketball, awful. Baseball, awful. Right? Football. It's been awful. I get it. But if you're going to talk about discipline, don't just say, well, the referees have to be have to be right. No, you have to be right, too. Right? Look in the mirror. Take accountability. And then when you hold yourself accountable, make sure you hold everybody else outside of you accountable after that. That's how I look at it. But that's just me. And it's to go even further. It's when you want to better yourself or be like, hey, OK, I keep making these dumb penalties. Go to the guy who doesn't go to them right. and go. All right. How are you doing this? Right. Teach me. Right. Show me. Coach, I keep getting holding calls every single play. What am I doing wrong with my foot? Well, I'll tell you what, you start getting holding calls every single play, you're going to be on the bench. Well, <laughs> they're going to they're going to get yeah, you on, okay. they're going to put you on the bench. But no, Max, I mean, Max is is that guy as well. He's that guy that and he told us about it yesterday. He said, "I'm I'm here to hold guys accountable. I hold myself accountable. I hold myself to a very high uh, level of accountability and and I expect everyone else around around me to do the same thing. So when guys make dumb mistakes, He's going to hold them accountable, and that's that's good. That's what you should do. You should try harder to hold yourself accountable, and then everything else should come after that. All right, if I know that this dude's doing everything in his power not to make a dumb mistake, then we're good, right? We're good because mistakes are going to happen. Penalties are going to be get called. Every team has them. It's bottom line. But nobody was complaining about the referees during the preseason last year because the Raiders weren't getting no penalties. Nobody was blaming the referees for anything last year during the preseason. It's like, hey, man. They're playing disciplined ball. We spent show on top of show on top of show talking about it, right? Oh, man, this is going to be great. They don't lead the league in penalties. They're going to be a fantastic team. We talked about it all preseason. If I'm lying, I'm dying, and I know I ain't dying unless a good man upstairs says it's time, and I'm hoping that he doesn't. But that's what we talked about. That's what we spent time and time and time again talking about is the fact that they were really disciplined and they're playing well. Remember they were holding people accountable? You had to run laps if you did things wrong in practice? I mean, that was a conversation. Yeah. Y'all, you guys were having that on the press box. Guys, yeah. guys running, running laps. You saw the quarterback running laps. You saw the offensive line when they were making a mistake running laps. Guys were doing that, and that was a subject that they talked about. The team, not just us, but the team was like, hey, this is what we're doing. It just fell apart during the regular season. It's almost it, – it, it was almost like a major league where the guy – like if you screw that up, all right, you got to go do push-ups. Right, right. Like, it, was like, it was like me with the ball yesterday. I wasn't going to put it on the ground. Because Eric Allen told me I had to do push-ups, and I ain't going to tell Eric Allen no, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like walking across a logo in the locker room, right? You, they'll, they'll, all those guys would be like, hey, push-ups. I think Vinny still owes push-ups, and I don't think he ever did his push-ups when he walked across the logo. I know other guys did, but I don't, I don't, Grainy did. Grainy, yeah. to his credit, he, he, he dropped down and got those push-ups done. He knocked them out. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's just the thing about it, man. I mean, you do what you're supposed to do, and, and as long as you're taking care of yourself – Everything should fall into place, and you hope it does. But, again, a lot of the bias calls, and, and, and I'm not going to act like they're not there because they are, but a lot of that is because of, well, you, you've built up that reputation, right? Or someone before you built up that reputation, and they're just rolling with it. 
right? They 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 see they see the black jerseys and they say that's a penalty. <laughs> There's a bit of a duality because, as you know, I cut a lot of the sound, and one thing that I'll see is that there are fans that want them to be violent and aggressive and all this stuff, you and then you be. and you, but you also have the other fan base that's like, oh, we get we uh, we always get penalized. Right. And it's like, well, w- w- what do you want to be? You know, it's funny. Do you want to be clean, well, and precise. You got it's a it's a fine line, and exactly. that's why it's so difficult, especially for defensive players. I remember during the draft process, I was very high on Devin Witherspoon, and a lot of his highlights were big hits. And everyone to a T was like, yeah, but he'll get a penalty for that if he's a Raider. Which, I'm not going to lie, a lot of the hits will look violent and look violent, more violent than they should be, and they'll get a penalty. And, and that's not exclusive to the Raiders. I've seen it all across the league. It's not just the Raiders. Sometimes the eye test will make you look like, even going back to last night, the Jack Eichel hit looked terrible. It looked terrible. It looked like the dirtiest, cheapest shot ever, only to find out it was the cleanest shot. Yeah, he slipped. He slipped, he put his head down, and he got walloped or mollywopped, whatever you want to say. And it was unfortunate, but even him after the game was like, it was a clean hit. But sometimes when you look at it and you see it initially, it looks so bad and violent, it has to be a penalty, right? So then, throws a flag. Then once you throw the flag, it's a wrap. So it happens. It's not, like I said, it's less than ideal, but it happens. But again, before I blame anyone else to point the finger, I'm always going to look at myself and say, what can I do better? So Paul Gutierrez will join us at 2 o'clock. John McClain, Sports Radio 610 in H-Town. He joins us each and every uh, Tuesday at 3 o'clock to talk all things NFL. He'll do that again today at 3 o'clock. In between, Marcus Mosher, Paul Gutierrez, and John McClain. We'll also have Brian Hoyer from the roundtable that we had yesterday. Uh, Jake, <laughs> and that to, <laughs> Jared puts his hands up. He, he, loves, he, he loves him some Brian Hoyer. So JT, Eric Allen, and myself had a chance to talk to Brian Hoyer. We'll hear from him around 1 o'clock. Uh, also, Andre James. He was a really fun listen. I thought, I thought he had some really good things to say. I didn't realize he's going into year five. I had no idea. It seems like he's only been around for a quick minute, but he's going into year five with the silver and black. So uh, we had a chance to talk to him on the roundtable. You'll hear that around 2.30. So Brian Hoyer at 1, Marcus Mosher at 1.30, Paul Gutierrez at 2, Andre James at 2.30, John McClain 3.30, and then Aces Basketball coming up at 3.30. So those are the guests that we have coming up on the show today. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So as mandatory minicamp has gotten underway today, I wanted to go into it with about three questions. Three of my biggest questions for the silver and black, and I'd love to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. We should hear from Josh McDaniels, head coach, in just a few minutes as well. We got some sound bites from his uh, media session earlier today, but I want to throw these questions out there for you before we do any of that. Three biggest questions that you have about the Raiders as mandatory minicamp opened up today. Your three biggest questions could be about anything, anyone, any elements of the team, but what are the three burning questions that you have? And I'll give you mine. First of all, who will be the most impactful rookie? We all look at the first-round pick and think he's got to be the dude, right? You could be Michael Mayer. He could be the most impactful rookie. I mean, there's, there's, there's guys. It could be Byron Young. He can have an impact. Ja'Korian Bennett. I don't know who it's going to be. I've put my 
kind of thoughts into it being Michael Mayer because I think he could really help out the offense a lot. I think he could be that dude that is, a, is really good in the red zone, uh, help extend drives. He can block. I, I think he has an opportunity to be the most impactful uh, rookie, but that's a question that I have that obviously we can't answer until the season happens and, and, and we actually see the production on the field. But that's one of my biggest questions. Who's going to be the biggest impact, the most impactful rookie? If I look back at last year, I would say, and, and I get it, they didn't have a first or second round pick, but obviously last year out of their rookies, the most impactful guy was Dylan Parham. And it's not even close, right? He played all season long and he played multiple positions. You know, he's very versatile and I only think he's going to do better in year two. But Outside of that, they didn't get a ton of production from their rookie class. Thayer Mumford played. I think he played out 34% of the snaps is something that they, they said he played. But the defensive tackles didn't play very much. Of course, the running backs didn't play very much. Josh Jacobs, I think he's still on the field. I don't think he ever came off. So there's that. So really the most impactful, the biggest impactful rookie that the Raiders had in 2022 was Dylan Parham. What does that look like in 2023 since they have nine draft picks as opposed to just a handful that they had a season ago? So that's my number one question. Number two, we kind of referenced it earlier in the show, what difference does a year make? Players returning and coaches being in year two, how much different does it look? How much cleaner does it look? How much more understanding do they have? And look, the team is not the exact same. They brought in a lot of different guys, a lot of new guys, but they also brought in guys that are their guys. And I say this in air quotes, guys like a Jacoby Myers, right? Guys that uh, understand the system. Jimmy G, we hear about all the understand the system guys. Okay, show what they can do now. Now that you have your guys in the mix and now Josh McDaniels is head coach year two, he understands some of the players. Now that a Max Crosby is in the system for year two, Chandler Jones is in the system year two. You know, how do these guys, how do they benefit from that? How does it improve? So I want to know what's the difference a year makes. And then number three, how much more is the playbook opened up with Jimmy G under center, assuming he's under center when, it's, when it matters, when they go to Denver for week one? So those are the three questions I have uh, for, for the season and for the Raiders as mandatory minicamp opened up today. Who's going to be the most impactful rookie? What difference does it make, uh, a year make? And how much more of the playbook will be opened up with Jimmy G under center? What says you? 702-365-9200 and also the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. We'll get to your text. We'll get to your call, plus some sound bites from head coach Josh McDaniels next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 1231 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Coming up about 1 o'clock, Brian Hoyer from Raiders Roundtable with JT and Eric Allen and myself from yesterday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. We had Raiders content day. It was a lot of fun, and I thought Brian Hoyer was a really good listen, and Brian Hoyer is Jared's guy, so Jared's very excited about hearing from Brian Hoyer. As a matter of fact, Mailman Raider hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, and you're already establishing who you are. People know who you are. They know what buttons to push when it comes to you. Mailman Raider says, man, I don't know if Jared loves Brian Hoyer or stealing Q's bags more. So, <laughs> of course, in L.A., we, uh, we oh, well, okay. Jared, I say we. <laughs> I, I got my bag stolen. Jared got accused of stealing it, but he also got accused of being the black guy in the tan jacket. And Jared is everything but a black guy. He did have a tan jacket, yeah. but he ain't the black guy. <laughs> the best part is I'm pretty sure I was asleep behind you Man. when they said. <laughs> you know the funniest thing about that? I know I talk about this all the time, but they really tried to argue me when I told them that that wasn't, one, a black guy, and two, <laughs> that's my coworker. I had long blonde hair at Right. That's what I'm saying. And, and, and they really... And this is the LAPD, so take it for what it's worth. They tried to argue with me and tell me, yes, he is a black guy. And I said, no, he's not. 
I'm a black guy. He is not. And they said, yes, he is. And I said, I, I promise you, that's my coworker. Let me see a picture. And I said, look, he's right there. And when I finally pointed him out, they're like, oh, you're right. And I was like, no blank. No blank. I'm not even Dan. <laughs> right. The guy couldn't steal his own things. He's so tired. We're, we're both trying to just get the hell out of here. You guys are dragging your backsides on. That was the worst experience. And you know when I say, and I was talking about penalties and, and holding yourself accountable and don't blame other people and all that other stuff. That's, you know, hey, look, I made the joke about the LAPD. It's on them. That's on them. <laughs> right? That's on them. Like, there's guys that, you know, make them act a little sideways sometimes, but they they brought that reputation on their own. And that kind of situation where they swore up and down you were a black guy and not my coworker who stole my backpack was all I needed to know. That's it. Oh, man. The, the, that was so bad. It was like it was just like you're not like telling on yourself. You're you've got a you've got a megaphone and right. you're broadcasting on yourself. Right. I'm just like, man, can you at least try to try to, you know, act like you're all good? <laughs> like I don't even know how to describe it. It was so bad. And I was so tired that I couldn't even get as mad as I wanted to. Cuz I was just so tired and I, I just what did I kept saying, can I just go yeah. Can we leave? Obviously, I'm not getting my bag. We're getting nowhere with this conversation. I got to go buy headphones. I got to go buy some headsets. I have no computer. I have no this, that, and the other. Let me and the black guy with the tan jacket go to back to our Airbnb, please. That was terrible. But he does love him some Brian Hoyer, some Mailman Raider. You are absolutely right. You'll hear that conversation coming up at 1 o'clock. We did throw the question out there, though, on the don'tbebroke.com text sign, and you can hit us up at 69187, keyword r just like Mailman Raider did. Or you can call in at 702-365-9200. What are your three biggest questions about the Raiders since mandatory minicamp got started today? What are you looking at? My three biggest questions, who's going to be the most impactful rookie? What difference does a year make? And then how much more of the playbook will be opened up with Jimmy G under center? So those are the three I have. But what says you? Hit us up and let us know about it. And of course, we'll get to your calls and texts whenever you chime in, and we definitely appreciate that. Now, I did want to get to some Coach McDaniel sound. Uh, I was there earlier today around 9.30 this morning. I know the uh, the presser was aired live here on the morning tailgate on Radio Nation Radio 920, but there's a few sound bites that stood out to me and wanted to go ahead and bring them to the table and discuss them as well here with you. And the first one was just about what we've been talking about, mandatory minicamp, the next three days. What's going to go on? What's the difference between the OTAs that we saw that were voluntary as opposed to the mandatory minicamps that are going on today? Not really. Um, I think the the difference, you know, we have a little bit more time, um, you know, so we're, we're actually going to get to watch the film in the afternoon. Like, if you ask me the biggest difference uh, between minicamp and OTAs now, um, you know, you're allotted a little, a little bit more time on the field. We're not taking a lot more than what we've been doing. Um, but the biggest thing for us is we'll be able to correct the film today. Um, you know, that's the, the biggest change. Um, OTAs is a little bit of a challenge in that regard, you know, because I'd say most of the days of the year, you're actually going through the, the, the work day and whatever you're doing, um, you know, then you watch that film afterward, correct it and try to move on and have a clean slate the next day. OTAs isn't always that way, you know, because of the time limits that we have. So, um, that's a that's a good thing for everybody, so that we can start hopefully fresh tomorrow and just start on the new material, whatever it is, and get going. So um, more a little bit more time to watch the film. We'll obviously we'll you know have a chance to today happens to be the red zone. We're going to end up working a little bit more in the red zone. So, but other than that, the practice format is very similar. 
Red zone, work in the red zone. Nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, that's that's an area of the field that the Raiders probably need the most work in is the red zone, being able to go there and and come away with, with seven total points instead of three, right? I mean, that's just one of the things that they've got to stop doing. They've got to be more effective in the red zone. I think that they have the players now. I really do. I believe in Michael Mayer a lot. I believe in Hunter Renfro as long as he's there with the organization. I think that it would be great to see him out there healthy, with this team, I think that he would do a really good job in the red zone as well. He just finds a way to get open. Of course, Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. Jacoby Myers has some size, so he can go and high, ball, high point the ball. I mean, there's a lot to like about what the Raiders could do in the red zone. They've just got to really work on it. So hearing him say that that's what they are working on today, uh, I thought that, that was pretty good. We'll ask Paul Gutierrez about that coming up at 2 o'clock, what he saw from just you know the red zone, uh, the way that they were practicing in the red zone, kind of their efficiency and, and their their – their energy level, right, their, their, their rhythm and, and what it looked like in the red zone. And the other thing that stood out to me when we're thinking about the mandatory minicamp in the three days, uh, that obviously first day is basically in the books now. They, they've been there all day working in meetings, and then they went on the practice field. And I know a lot are weightlifting. I'm sure some are more in, in meetings and studying film, like he said. I wonder, Jared, how much of that information, how much of that install, how much of that practice that they're doing today and tomorrow and, uh, and and Thursday, how much is that going to be retained, right? I mean, that's I, I think that that's the next step, right? You learn it, and then it's the retention. How much of it are you able to hold on to? And then, because, I mean, OTAs, you'll have one more OTAs, but it's not mandatory, and then you'll be off and then training camp. So how much do you come back from these in training camp, and how much do you remember? And I think the element is, okay, we've – We've shown you what we want in OTAs, and now we're sending you home with it. Right. It's the definition, and not, I'm, I mean, obviously, it's not homework, but it's the okay. Yeah, you about. you have the opportunity to, in your spare time or your free time or in this open period, to work on like it's. I guess it's now the theme of the show. Work on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it somehow it turned into the theme of the show. Right. I didn't know it was gonna be. But it, it did, and that's okay. That's how it happens. It happens organically. I'm okay with that. We'll skip the changes to OTAs this offseason. He kind of explained it a little bit in that last answer, and we'll go immediately to the question I asked, which was about the pace in year two and, and, and kind of what's the difference this year. I think the guys, the guys, coaches and players, I think we all kind of know how we want to practice and work. Um, we know the value of trying to get every ounce of, you know, um, you know work done that we're allotted in terms of the time limits that we have. So, um, you know, the guys do a great job of moving them from drill to drill. The players have, have really done a nice job of getting the drill set up so we can go ahead and start the repetitions and, and try to get better. So um, I think everybody, you know, your second year, your second go around, you kind of know more, um, understand more. And then there's a lot more players now that can help other players uh, because they've lived through it for a year, year and a half. So. Um, you know, hopefully it's an efficient practice. You know, and that's the thing about it, and that's why I asked the question about the pace because when I was out there at OTAs, it looked like they were going faster. It looked like even the drills, they were getting through them quicker. There wasn't as much explanation. It was like, boom, go and do it, and then they do it. Boom, 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 and do it. And then all of a sudden the whistle blows, and they're going to another station. It looked like the pace was quicker, which is good, right, because it shows the understanding. You know you're slow when you're, not, when you're thinking. So if they're going faster, to me, that's less thinking, more just activity, more playing, more going through the motions and, and getting it done, more actual you know, uh, work being put in. So I think that, that that's positive. And, again, in year two, that's what you're supposed to, supposed to see. And, again, I asked Max Crosby about that. I, I asked 
Who else did I ask? I think Andre James I asked yesterday about that. Just, you know, how have you noticed the difference? And what, what does the pace look like? You know, are you going to station to station a little bit quicker? And, you know, both of those guys that were obviously here last year, like, yeah, absolutely. You know, there was a lot of unknown last year. This year, we feel like we have a better understanding of what we're supposed to be doing. So uh, Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network, good friend of the show, he was uh, at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center this morning as well, and he asked a really good question about the buy-in from the guys like a Devontae Adams, a Max Crosby, you know, the big-time players on the teams, the guys that went through it last year and only won six games, but they're buying in to what this coach and this staff are selling. So he said, how did you get these guys to buy in after that year one that was lackluster? I think the first thing we all have to do is be accountable, and that starts with me, um, you know, in and, and ways that I can do a better job of trying to do my job and help them be a better football team, help them be better players. Um, I think our staff did the same thing, took a good look at ourselves. Um, what can we do better to help our team? Uh, you know, we're in a lot of close games. That's been very well documented. And, you know, so when you're in those kind of close games, you, you're always – you know, fighting to figure out how you can finish them on the right end. And so, um, you know, we've we've made some changes that we hope would be for the better. Um, we've also, you know, been tried to be accountable to our responsibility and role in that. And I think being honest with the players and having great lines of communication with them um, is always the right thing to do. Tell them the truth. Um, encourage them. Uh, we have a, a great working environment, positive attitude. Uh, great leadership on our team and so we've just tried to feed into that and you know we're working really hard uh, we got a long way to go uh, nothing's been accomplished yet but I think the right things are are at least being attempted at this point in time of the year and we're going to con- try to continue to do that here going into training camp well you you said it Jared we've got a, a show theme we didn't know we were walking into a show theme but we got a show theme and it's accountability it's, it's yeah. that simple and, and that's a good thing that's not bad I like it I like the fact that accountability is the show theme and it's turned into that because uh, Coach McDaniels just mentioned it, right? And he, and he pointed at himself. Okay, hey, I've, I've got to be accountable for my mistakes. I made mistakes year one. So being honest with the players, that, that, you know, that, that goes a long way. They want to hear someone that's honest. And, look, there's some people out there that are just – it doesn't matter what happens – they're not going to be happy, you know, with this staff one way or the other. And that's fine, right? I mean, that's, that's your personal choice. That's okay. But from where I'm sitting and, and just in the room listening to what he has to say, I really do feel like he understands what went wrong in year one and how it, got, it has to be cleaned up. Now, does that mean he's going to have it cleaned up and it's going to be a stellar year? No. But if you understand what went wrong and what you did wrong as a person or as a coach, that's the first step in correcting it. Now it's up to him to go do it which I think that anyone, anybody listening who says, well, he's got to go out there and prove it, you're absolutely right. He does. He has to go out there and prove it. I, I don't think that he can have those games where they have those one-score losses, and then you're looking back like, what the hell happened? Having big leads and all of a sudden blowing it in the second half, what the hell happened? You can't have those. You just can't. That's not okay, and the coach has to look at himself. The players obviously are, are held accountable as well, but coach has to look at himself and say, hey, where did I go wrong in this one? And it's not even – all 100% like, okay, this didn't work. I have to fix it. It's let me try to fix it. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay, I'm smart enough to recognize that my fix isn't working, so I need to look at it from a completely different angle. Right. Like you're not going to always stumble upon the first – the first solution isn't always the correct solution. And so the fact that he actually is just like, yeah, that was on me. We were mm-hmm. – you know, we would kick field goals from the th- three-yard line. I got to <laughs> I gotta figure out what works and what doesn't, and 
eliminate what doesn't and find a solution is I, I don't know. I really like him. Like, I really like that that's that's the the mentality that he's bringing in of it's on me. It stops with me. I have to do it. Right. And I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I was very skeptical when the even the reports were out there that he was a guy that was in line for the job. I was thinking, oh, man, here we go. Going to get a whole nother, you know, type of Patriot style where ain't nobody going to say nothing. It's going to be, you know, Bill Belichickian type, uh, you know, press conference. He's going to give us absolutely nothing. And I'm not saying that Coach McDaniels gives us a, a lot, but, I mean, he, he, he talks to us. And sitting there with a clear mind and just trying to listen and see what he's talking about and just seeing who he is and, and trying to get to know the person. And I'm not saying that I know him well, but, I, I mean, I obviously know him better than I did before he got here, right? So, you know, I feel like he is – like. he changed my mind about who he was. I, I, I had no idea. Only thing I knew was from a distance. What happened in Denver and then leaving Indianapolis, you know, high and dry, hanging him at, you know, at, yeah. the, at the altar. And so I was like, yeah, probably not. But it sounds like, again, it sounds like he's a guy that, you know, knows what, what he's doing. Sounds like he could lead this team. He's just got to go out there and prove it. And I think probably the, the biggest question around him is, is he that guy? I think everyone that we've had on the show that's talked about him that really knows him really well, way better than I do, have said that he's a great X's and O's guy. He's a great coach. Uh, you know, how does his personality blend with – the, the players in the locker room. I think that that's probably the biggest question. You know, as long as that's going on and the players in the locker room are fine, I sure don't have no problem because I ain't, it ain't on me, <laughs> right? It has nothing to do with me. I mean, he, he seems like, like a pretty good dude. Sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Sounds like he has a plan. We just got to see it executed. I mean, and, and unfortunately, when you go 6-11, and 11, that doesn't look like a very good plan. That's just, that's just the reality of it. So we'll see what happens. But I don't have, like I said, I don't have any, any, uh, any problem with him. I think that he's he, – he's, really could be potentially uh, a good coach. He's just got to put it all together, and, and hopefully he has the players that he feels like he can put it together with. One, 12.45 is the time. We'll come back. We'll close out hour number one of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. First day of mandatory minicamp practices wrapped up. Tashawn Reed from The Athletic tweeted out, Raiders, I don't see a minicamp today. Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh Jacobs, Michael Mayer, O.J. Howard, Jacoby Myers, Justin Heron, Tyree Wilson, and Jordan Willis. And again, Coach McDaniels let us know that everybody was there in attendance except for Josh Jacobs. So uh, similar to last season, a lot of guys are probably a little banged up working on something, but they're in the building. Again, everybody was accountable uh, in there. Uh, Tashawn Reed mentioned the guys that were not out there on the grass. Coming up about 1 o'clock, you'll hear from Brian Hoyer, who right now is QB1 because Jimmy Garoppolo is not there. But right now, safety Trayvon Merrick, big year for him, man. He's going into year three. He's at the podium at the Intermount Healthcare Performance Center. Um, really just coming out every day in practice, coming in the film room every day, just trying to learn some. Um, pick up something every day, whether it's some small, small detail. Um, but f- really, every year it's just going to be getting better in every aspect of the game. So. You guys kind of have a, a revamped safety room a little bit with Marcus Epps coming in from the Eagles. What's it been like kind of pulling from him and learning from him as a, a veteran in this? Yeah, yeah, he's he's a great teammate. Um, you know, we're just getting to learn each other, learning how each other plays. Um, but you know, the time we've been having together has been been good. We've been bonding, been uh, you know, working hard. So that's what we're going to keep doing. This time last year, you were in your third defense in three years. Um, I imagine your head was spinning a little bit. Uh, Is it slowed down a little bit? Uh, Yeah, it definitely feels good, you know, to have the same staff and, um, you know, just 
you know, the same camaraderie that we had last year. So, um, you know, that was big for me. You know, it helps me um, and it helps the rest of the team, you know, build, build relationships and then play together, you know, faster. Between the transition to a new defense and then getting injured like you were, did you feel, did you ever feel like you were on stable ground last year or was it? Nah, nah, I really didn't. Um, you know, for me, it was just, like I, like I just said, just getting better, whether it was recovery, um, just being there for the team, being there for whatever the coaches needed. Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't feel like that at all. Trayvon, the last day that you were available before you took your time off, you and I talked and you mentioned you had to get better this, this off season. What did you do? Um, man, just like I just said, just came in every day, you know, whatever the coaches asked of me to do, um, whatever the drills were, you know, I just focused on, on the details, you know, to try to be technically sound, um, you know, just try to practice my technique, just like, you know, every, every other position, trying to get it better every off season. Did you do a lot of film watching this off season? I, a couple of the other players have told me that they, the coaches have done a lot of analytical stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Over the years, like, um, like I said, just like my, my third year, just picking up more film, you know, just learning more concepts, just learning more football. So being able to turn on that film and pinpoint some stuff that I didn't know last year or the year before, you know, was a big deal. So definitely watching more film. Without getting too much into strategy, what were some things that you kind of found difficult about Patrick Graham's system last year that you felt a bit more comfortable doing now? Um, really, it's just being on the same page, you know, the communication aspect of it. Um, like I said it before, at the end of the day, it's all concepts, just learning different concepts, learning different, um, you know, coaching schemes, how they want it done. Um, but like I said, the biggest thing is just communication. So They've talked a lot um, about wanting to create more turnovers. Mm-hmm. I know in college that's what's something that you were, you know, uh, known for and big on. Um, do you feel like being more confident in the, uh, in, in the scheme and in the system will allow you to be a little bit more confident in terms of taking chances and things like that? Yeah, definitely. I, like I said, I think each year has been like that. I've been feeling you know, better, more confident just with myself um, within the defensive scheme. So definitely um, trying to do that, you know, get our hands on the football. Something that's very important. They definitely got to get their hands on the football. Got to do a lot better creating turnovers. Some I've been talking about quite a bit. 12.55 is the time coming up. Hour number two, Raider Nation Radio, 920.